Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, presented by Conserve the Wild, your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation. Now, let's get wild. Welcome back to another episode of Conservation Unfiltered. This is episode number 13, and today we have a Father's Day special. Father's Day coming up this Sunday. Uh, I thought it would be a good time to have two of the biggest hunting and outdoor influences in my life on the podcast. One is someone you already know, my father, Jeff Creighton, and the other is a first-time guest and possibly his first time ever having his voice recorded, and that's my grandfather, Jim Bauman. Between these two, they have taught me so much about the outdoors and instilled such a passion for the outdoors, not just hunting, but what has even grown into this need for conservation and habitat management and really loving wildlife and and being outside in the outdoors. Uh, What they have done has just impacted my life so greatly. Uh, I, I really struggle to find the words to fully describe just how much of an impact they've had on me. So I hope this is a podcast that you enjoy listening to because this is one that I was extremely excited to record and I am so grateful to be able to sit down with my 80 plus year old grandfather and uh, on Sunday, Saturday, sorry, Saturday, a 60 year old father Uh, in my 30s, and talk about something that we are all three very passionate about, which I'm sure will come through when you listen to this podcast. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners, SOS Gear. SOS Gear is based in Montana and run by Chelsea, and she makes some great products out of paracord. Right now I'm holding a belt Chelsea made me just a couple weeks ago, This belt is absolutely gorgeous. I went with the black and black camo, but that's not even the best part. My father's been wearing the same style belt for a year, and it looks brand new. Other people I've talked to have worn their belts without any rips or frays for two, three, and even five years. There's a wide range of colors you can pick from, so you can make your own statement. Check out some of her products she's made over at her Instagram, SOSGearMT, or her Twitter, at SOSGearMT. You can order a belt of your own at sosgearmt.com. That's sosgearmt.com. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have uh, two special guests on with us. A little Father's Day special. So, I have my father back on with us for, I think, a second time now, Jeff Creighton. Hello. And I have my grandfather with us, uh, Jim Bauman. For the first time, making his podcast debut. Why don't you say hi? Hi. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, the reason, you know, Father's Day special, the reason why I wanted to, to have everyone on is uh, basically uh, because, I mean, well, hunting is, in our family, for the most part, sort of a male-dominated field, and I feel like a lot of people get their start through families and that kind of thing, so I figured, hey... Why don't we talk about that too? So, why don't we start with uh, with you, Pap, since you were the first one 
to start hunting. Why don't you uh, let everyone know when you started hunting? Yeah, I lived on a farm, and that was a thing to do when you were 12 years old. Was uh, You couldn't wait to go hunting. So yeah. even back then, you had to wait until you were 12? Yeah. Did you have to take a test? Nope. No <laughs> test, no nothing. Just buy a license and hunt. Hmm. What year was that? <laughs> <laughs> Too many years ago. <laughs> It'd have been... 34, 44, 45, or 49 or something. 49. Okay. Uh, Dad, what about you? Because you're a little little unique compared to Pap and I. I think if anyone was listening, we covered that a little bit when we talked before, but I I didn't start up until I was about 20 years old uh, when I was getting ready to marry your mother and Mm -hmm. went to Pap's camp here. What year, what year was that? That would have been about 1980 or 81. I don't okay. remember which season it was. It was 1980 or 81 season. Okay. Yeah, for me it was uh, 1998. And I was probably, I'm the anomaly in the fact that my first hunting experience was actually spring turkey. Uh, because I didn't turn 12 until February. So I uh, wasn't able to buy my license until then, uh, back then. So that was a little different than probably both of you guys you guys probably started right at the beginning of the season yeah so how many spring turkey seasons have you uh this was the well how many have i actually hunted uh i've i've been hunting this is the start of my 21st year um but i've probably only hunted spring turkey eight times eight years out of that just because playing baseball and everything can can we say congratulations yeah 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 as of as of this podcast release the uh our turkey, our story time with turkey, that was Talon, and uh, Pat came on with me, and we told our turkey, spring turkey season. So, okay. yeah, it took me 21 years, but uh, finally got my first, so that was exciting. Uh, so, for either of you, why did you, I mean, why did you start hunting? You, Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Why did you start hunting? Well, that's what I said. It was just a thing to do when you were that age. 12 years old you couldn't wait to start hunting and lived on a farm and I mean, was that like that for all your friends like couldn't wait until you're they were 12 too well, anybody they, wanted to hunt yeah was, did small you small game small game and all i mean was that ever i mean would you say there was a lot of kids like that back a lot of your friends like that back I then i would or? say more so than there is now yeah that's what i would that's what i would assume almost and, everybody I knew uh back then hunted mm-hmm. uh there if they did if their dad didn't take them the first couple of years then somebody did uh who did you do most of your hunting with back when you were say from 12 to when you were out of high school my dad your dad that's good and then we know you dad pat, right. i mean pat basically well i guess technically not i guess mom got you into hunting yeah you got me going decided that was at the time Pap was still working and quite a bit at the garage or at camp so that's to get to know the family I either went to the garage to camp and uh, I tried the garage and Pap thought I was less than useful at that time working <laughs> on the trucks so <laughs> camp worked out better and if I remember correctly the first deer season up there you had to sleep with Pap I did and would we have 14 up there that year 14 yeah. so that was two in almost every bed but 
It was uh, back when people, everyone went to camp then, mm -hmm. at least the people we knew. That was a, a different time then, too. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as who got me into hunting, that'd be both of you uh, getting me in the, in the hunting. There's still, I still have a picture of uh, me sitting on top of one of your, I think it was a six point the back of your truck dead with uh, me and you and then and Pap T, Pap, your father-in-law. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that, I, I couldn't have been, what, maybe two at the time. Yeah, you weren't. I was pretty young, and then I still vividly remember when you guys, well, I never both of you went to Montana. Um, you know, Dad, your first time out there to elk hunting, you guys both got elk and seeing those antlers when they came home, they were almost as tall as me, if not taller than me. Uh, so it was definitely... I mean, it's a little bit of a family, uh, family tradition-wise, getting me in into hunting. But I was definitely excited those first couple times. Um, still excited, but really wanted to get out there. So this this is a. I'm gonna start with. Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Dad. How is how has hunting changed since you started hunting? So that was in the '80s. Right. Um, well, probably the number one biggest change for me was the uh, antler restrictions hmm. uh, when we first started hunting that's we it was you know if any legal buck was three inch one three inch spike right so that that's probably been the biggest change uh, other than that I, I mean the number of hunters and the availability and we've been through ups and downs with the amount of deer but uh, and a lot more technical these days <laughs> uh, Technology has caught up to hunting faster than we have. But uh, I'd say antler restriction was the biggest change that I've been a part of uh, until this year, now with this Saturday opener, which we yeah. already went into. But uh, just some of the, the new uh, seasons. Yeah. But that's about it. What about you, Pat? Um, what do you think? How do you think? What, what kind of changes have you seen in hunting since you started? Well, antler restriction, which I was never in favor of, uh, the doe seasons, the way it went back years and years ago, it was the same three days every year after buck season, and everybody would take their vacation for those three days to hunt doe. Now they're too lazy to go out and hunt doe, so they got to give them two or three weeks to try to get one. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the antler hunting, and I don't agree with the Sunday hunting. No, that, mm -hmm. that pretty much is, I, I think that would be a common thread amongst generations. Generations. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so sticks me right in the middle, by the way. Yeah, sticks and, you and right have, in the middle. And I have a little bit of feelings both ways. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's interesting. Yes. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. I just don't, I don't, this idea of having doe season as long as we do, like I say, back years ago, the same three days every year was doe season. I know many, many of guys that took their vacation, saved their three-day vacation to hunt doe. And you knew when you were hunting doe, now you know when you're hunting deer all the time or doe but nobody wants to go in the woods to hunt them it's my theory would would it be fair to say pap that it's it's frustrating when like your whole life you worked 
and farmed and did this and you could still find time to take vacation right. and, and make time for hunting because you like to hunt and now to hear one of the arguments i won't say it's the, the biggest argument but one argument you hear for sunday hunting and extended seasons is people's people not having availability having to work have to go to school well pap and to my even myself for many years you made time because it's what you wanted to do so well, it's uh, a frustrating argument to hear yeah well i mean they're everything that they've done with these changes is for the casual hunter correct because myself talon who's not here today but co-hosting with me and um pat who we had on last week and a lot of people we know we're a little more hardcore than than the casual hunters i mean i take days off of work to hunt um, you know, I mean, I took five days off to go to Montana this year to hunt. Right. Uh, so these changes are more for the casual hunter. So I'm thinking back in the day, years ago, there were probably a little less casual hunters. And, and I would say that in their defense, there might be some other, there, there are other reasons for these changes. But I think uh, the game commission in our state of Pennsylvania here would be better to not use the argument of time management. Yeah, it's a frustrating argument I get for us. Yeah, I would stay away from that one. Yeah, Pep, did you? Would you say there were more deer in the woods back when you first started hunting, or more deer now? More deer back then. Really? Interesting. Uh, there was uh, a time when there wasn't, though, right? Oh yeah. When I started, yeah. Like yeah. Mid eighties. There was a time when it. Uh, we had a nice storm up at camp and uh, there were deer laying everywhere they fell and broke their pelvis and they'd slide down the hills and everything there were deer laying everywhere for about five years it was pretty pretty bad as far as hunting and then it got real good right not then too it, long after i started hunting it got there better was, there was a, a ton of deer around um and then it got but then again that was back when they had the three-day doe season and that's all was shot was uh, three days, you know. It just, I don't understand why people can't find time if they want to hunt. There's no reason why they can't find time. If they want to hunt that bad, they don't have to. They maybe have to take a day off for work every now and then. But that's still no reason to change everything and to try to get these young kids to hunt was, I think it's, it's not working. Too many other activities these days. I know two two boys that hunted. Uh, the first year they hunted, they hunted doe, and the first boy, he didn't see a doe, on Saturday. The second year, he didn't see anything. His brother hunted the second year, and neither one of them seen anything, and that was the end of their hunting. They yeah. never hunted after that. Uh, and that's what's going to happen to these young kids. That's They're trying to more or less, I don't know whether you'd say force them to hunt, making it too easy for them to hunt, uh, I just don't agree with it. And as far as age limit, there's no way that these kids is five and six, seven years old should be hunting. All Take right, it well, up to at least 10 where they're 
some responsibility. Uh, it just, to have your dad carry the gun into the woods with you, sit down with you, and then give the gun to you, and you might say he pulls the trigger, uh, that's that's not hunting for a young kid, and, and he's never going to hunt again after he gets up in a 10 or 12, 14-year-old. When you were when you started hunting before twelve, did you go hunting with your dad without carrying a gun? Did you just walk with him or anything? No, no, you just. You dad was never food. really into hunting. No, he took you guys. Uh, he he just wanted to, or because I complained and I didn't really hunt until I was I think, thirteen or fourteen. Okay. Because dad was working in the mill and farming, farming, and we just didn't have time. The first. First day I ever hunted, it was deer season, doe season, and I had a 12-gauge with pumpkin balls. He come home from work at 4.30. We got ready, went over to Doc Slagle's farm. Again, we got up to the top of the hill where he wanted to hunt. It was time to quit. <laughs> and that was my first day of hunting. <laughs> Well, so I want to ask both of you, so whoever wants to chime in first, but uh, as far as hunting now, what makes hunting special to you? Like, what's the part that you feel is sort of special about this activity and what draws you to keep going out? Just, for me, just the idea to go to camp. I'd agree with that. When you working a lot that was a weekend you knew you didn't have to work right right like rest and relax and it was just like planning when it was three-day doe season you planned ahead you knew that you were going to hunt every saturday right and i've gone through phases when i first started hunting it was just because like i said earlier to get to know people uh, get to know paps get to know his friends and went there and I did go through a phase where it was important for me to have success. In other words, to bag what I was looking for that particular day. Um, I, fortunately, I, I, in my mind, fortunately, I grew out of that. And I'm back into now, as you know, I, I don't hunt as frequently, but I enjoy the days I'm hunting better because I can enjoy a squirrel during deer season, watching a squirrel or watching turkey feed or seeing a hawk or whatever, as long as you're seeing something to stay busy. I think Pap and I have both said that for years, as long as you see something out yeah. there and have something to do while you're sitting and waiting. So that's, and it's just, now it's family and friends. I mean, it's very close-knit at camp now. It's strictly family, actually, yeah. now. I mean, we really don't have too many outsiders hunting with us anymore, outside the family. I mean, by outsiders. Yeah, and that that's it for me. That That's the big thing. I mean, being outside and, you know, I mean, you guys know, us in the younger generation, always connected. Um, actually, right before we started recording this on a Sunday, I got an email from work. Uh, you know, it's like I can never get away. And being able to be outside and in the woods like that and, and gives me a reason to put the phone away. But the biggest thing is it's just sort of uh, guaranteed time that I'm going to spend time with, with family, uh, which <laughs> sounds sort of counter counterintuitive seeing that when we, especially when we go deer hunting, we go solo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple hundred yards between all of us, you know, but it's, you know, it's the getting ready the night before and getting ready the morning of and then coming back and 
either at lunch or you know at the end of the day and talking about what we saw and this and the stories and brings up the stories of of years ago and things like that that's that i like hearing about that kind of stuff and spending that time that's that's by far the the special part for me i don't want to steer this in a, a totally different direction steer it whatever direction yeah, you want if you don't mind but i would like a little bit of I lose track of the timelines and the, how we got to camp. Um, I know that you built the camp that we're at now in 1976. And you had a mobile home about a mile or two away on a property for a while. But how did you first end in that area? Did you hunt up there before you had any camp at all up there? Yeah, I hunted at uh, Lefty Barbero's camp for three years. Which is about what? how many miles from where we're at now? It was only thousand feet from my, where I had the trailer. Okay. Okay. And this acre was for sale, and I bought it, put the trailer on it. Couldn't be satisfied with just an acre. Come up with the twenty-six acres. We bought it. Built the camp over there the year of the uh, tornado that went up through Cook's Forest, come up the Halla. And that was 1976? 1976. Now, did you hunt on that property before you built the camp? No. You didn't hunt on the Big Rock until you owned the, owned the property? No. Nope. That's the part I was never sure about. I thought, thought you hunted My first year I hunted under the, I was going to hunt under the big pine tree in the corner, and I went down there, and there's a kid already there. I chased him out, and about three or four hours later, I heard some shooting up on top of the hill, and next thing I know, he comes down telling me he got a buck, <laughs> and I hadn't seen anything. Yeah. That was my first year. I got one later on that afternoon, but up until then, it was pretty... When did you start hunting at Lefty's camp? About what year would that have been, do you remember? been probably 73. Oh, so it wasn't. Oh no, no, seventy. Seventy. So it really wasn't that long. You don't, you were only in that area for about six years before yeah. you built the camp. I and didn't know I, if you I were didn't hunt. up there for years or. I hunted at my trailer. In that same area when I hunted at Lefty's camp. Now, did you hunt down around the farm? Catherine's Run. Then? We hunted in Catherine's Run. Okay. And. Uh, well, what about before that? When you, when you were hunting down home here? Oh, I hunted. Your uh, farm? Yeah. Okay. Adjoining farms. Yes. Okay. And so the camping thing actually started for, I guess, our family now, because Jason's up there in about 1970, so we're looking See, I close to 50 years. Yeah. Or over 50 years. Over 50. Yeah. Been hunting that area. So... My first deer I got over at my grandfather Walker's, it was an eight point. You remember what year that was? Yeah, I was working at Beckworth. That was before you even drove truck then? Mm -mm. Oh no. No, I was, I don't know, 34, 44, 54, probably in the early 50s. Now, if there was three people shot over that year, the first day of deer season. It was just like a really? civil war. Huh. 
And that was I um, got mine real early. I was dragging a lot, and I don't know where the deer come from, but everybody started to shoot. And at dinner time, there was already three people shot. Wow. Was there a fluorescent orange rule then? No. No? <laughs> there was, we just had our in-service meeting. There was uh, one uh, fatality in the state this past year, and it was self-inflicted. Wow. So that, that's changed for That's the changed dramatically for the better <laughs> since yeah. you started. Yeah. So there's a lot of years between you two uh, for this next question. And What's your favorite hunting memory? Ooh. <laughs> if, if you could boil it down to one or two, what would what would you say would be your favorite memory around hunting would be? Do you have one, Pat? I think one of my favorites is the time I climbed up in the tree, poured a cup of coffee, shot my deer. <laughs> Didn't drank, even get to drink your coffee? <laughs> drank my coffee and got down out of the tree. And Jeff was sitting in his tree stand watching the whole thing. <laughs> yes, I did that it, a few, few years. In, in the tree for probably two hours by the time you got there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, they always said I left too early. Uh-huh. Didn't need to be. He, uh, now I'm hearing that. Yeah, you, you, you did that quite a few years up there, right, Pat? Yeah. For a stretch. There was a stretch of five or six <laughs> years. Five or six years. I'd no more and get in and don't even sit down and shoot my deer. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you learned how to do that, but I want you to teach me that. Because <laughs> I'm the guy that gets in an hour before light and sits there till 10 o'clock before I feel like I find anything. What about you, Dad? I, they're, they're hard to pick just one but I, I guess if I I would say one of the top five is probably uh, when I was with you when you shot your doe down over the hill oh man and that was crazy you had to wake me up to tell me you saw a deer and I gave you the wise <laughs> advice to shoot it <laughs> yeah yeah so just so everyone I got to clarify this a little bit I didn't have to wake you up to shoot the deer no, no. so we go down in the hollow and down up the other side um, and uh, they had just did some timbering over there. Yeah, it was thick. And we're watching down in towards the hall a little bit, and I see a line of deer start coming through. And this was when I could shoot a buck or a doe. I hadn't shot a deer before that. No. And um, we were sitting on a stump that, that when the tree that they cut down, it had like a part of it that was still standing, uh, which was perfect for me to, to put a rust on. And... Whenever I saw those doe, I, I said, hey, there's, there's deer, and you said, well, shoot them. And I said, I can't. And you asked me why, and it was because you were sitting on my fluorescent orange vest. Yes, I was. And I couldn't get up. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a good, that one sticks in my mind for some reason. Yeah. Well, probably because you were successful, by the way. Yeah, that, probably. The story ended well. Yeah, that ended well. Although, we had, uh, that was... A good drag up there. Yeah, that was probably the worst uh, drag that we, that we ever had. Sometimes um, you have to go where the deer are. Yeah, yeah. And that was fun. Uh, there, there's a bunch of them for me. Uh, the two that I'm, uh, I'm gonna say two, um, and one of them was actually just this past year. I was. Uh, I yeah, was that, uh, opening day rifle season was only successful for me, but then that that uh, first Saturday um, was real successful for all of us because uh, well, it was probably about what. Eight o'clock, maybe eh, seven thirty or something. Uh, and Dad, you shot a doe. Correct. I heard heard the gunshot, and uh, then you 
gave me a call since I already had a buck. I, you know, I'll come help you. And there were a couple more doe that ran up towards Pat, and he shot. And I was, okay, well, at this point, I'm, you know, I'm getting my stuff. I figure I'll take my gun with me in case one walks by. And as I'm walking on the steps of, of my tree stand, I see two doe, a doe and a yearling. So I get back in my tree stand, and I shot her. So I was able to get down, tag her, and then came up and helped you and, and Pap with his, told Pap to stay in his tree stand. We put, once we got those two in the side-by-side, I put you, we got you back in your tree stand in case a buck came by. I went and dealt with my doe, and I no sooner got all three of those hung up at camp, and all of a sudden there's another bang at the top of the hill. And there's, so I go taking the side-by-side back up there, and there's Pap with a nice buck <laughs> right in the road. So, um, you know, being able to, to shoot those four deer in, in one day, that was really in just a couple hours. That was, uh, that was a pretty special day. Uh, the other one, and I have to, I have to tell this story because it's an unsuccessful story, but it's a good story. And from my first year of rifle deer season, 12 years old, and all weekend, because we would go up on, we'd go up on Friday and it doesn't open up till Monday. Pap tells me when he sees a buck coming my way, he's gonna blow his whistle. And, and then we're sitting there. Uh, it wasn't very long in the morning. All of a sudden, a whistle sounds out, and a buck comes cruising down the hill. But the whistle sounded an awful lot like a rifle. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was a 270 whistle or a 308 whistle. I, I think it was a 270 whistle. whistle. Uh, the, the buck decided it wasn't. Pap decided the buck wasn't going to make it all the way to me. <laughs> yeah, but that was. Learned. Yeah, lesson learned. That was that was a fun day. That was still a fun day. First time out there. I remember cooking some soup on the on the heater. Oh yeah. In the middle of the day and doing whatever we needed to and the to keep motivated. But those were definitely two days that that stick out in my mind big time. Pap, you want to tell the story about my first buck? Uh, I really hope he does because this is. A I don't know story. whether it was your first one or not. Uh, the spike up on the spike, side of the hill there. Yeah. I, I think it might have been my second one actually. Jeff had shot, and I seen him down there walking around. And uh, later on, he walked to camp. That was with your pistol, wasn't it? No, no, that yeah. was with the three hundred eight. Anyhow, he went down to camp. And uh, I got out of the tree and walked over to where I thought maybe it might be, and it was laying there, but it was still alive. And uh, it wanted to try to get up and keep moving. And uh, I knew it wasn't going anywhere, so I walked down to the camp to tell him that his deer was up there. He couldn't find it. We went up, and I told him where it was, and we got the exact where it was and it wasn't there it had moved so he we started to walk around a little bit I knew it couldn't go very far started to walk around a little bit and I looked over and there Jeff he looked like Elmer Fudd walking around creeping around snooping around and <laughs> Till we, till we walked up upon it, but that was funnier than probably the best memory. Yeah. <laughs> you you remember the time we were? I think we must have been. Were we muzzleloader hunting or turkey hunting? And that little button buck was smelling, following that desert. turkey hunting. And 
He almost ran us over. There's yeah, little dough and yeah. two button bucks. There are two little spikes. They both were yeah. about two inches, three yeah, inches long. One was the leg one no. And the little doe, she come running right past us, practically run over us. Up and within ten feet. Yeah. And here here come two little spikes with their nose down to the ground and they did almost run into us because they didn't even know we were there. Never picked their heads up. <laughs> Never picked their heads up, just kept on going following that doe. Those are the kind of, you know, when you ask about a favorite memory, mm -hmm. it just, they, those are the ones that come back. You have nothing that really to do with the day's hunting. We were hunting turkey and we were unsuccessful. So, they, they talked me into hunting with the bow. I practiced. It was pretty decent. Went out behind camp, sit down on a log, sat in there a little while, and I heard something behind me, and I turned it a little bit, and there was this little spike walking right towards me. He walked by the stump. I could have reached out and touched him. He smelt, him, smelt my boot and then walked on, and I never did get a shot at him. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the time, I think I was only maybe 13, we went down in the hollow uh, archery season, um, you and me, Dad, and we were sitting up on that, that little knoll, and you, we were hoping the deer were going to come one way, and you said, we'll be good as long as they don't come from the left there, then you it's going to be tough to get a shot and those doe came, two doe came up right where you said we were hoping they weren't and i swear that one doe sm smelled the broadhead mm. on my arrow and i just i could never get a shot off but the fact i mean being that close yeah. was was something else well, they get they get something on their minds it's it's amazing how they they just become oblivious to anything mm -hmm. around them yep so and yet so wary when they're not having anything on their mind I would say your favorite rifle is about after all these years. Do you have a favorite? Yeah. Three oh eight. That three oh eight. Your Winchester. Model eighty eight. Yep. You, is that what you took out? No, you didn't take that out west, though, did you? Did you ever have it out west? No. Though? You always took a two seven or seven. Two seven and seven mm. Yeah. So that's been a good. I gun. think the two seven or the seven mm is a little bit too much of a gun for around here. Okay. Uh, for our white tail 270 i think was might be the uh, ideal gun everybody likes the 30 or 30 odd six but there's not that much difference i'll tell you another thing that was interesting for me being a, a novice hunter in 20s and just going up to camp was i fell into their camp that way but from the beginning you guys were always into muzzleloader season in pennsylvania mm -hmm. I mean, back in the, mm -hmm. when it first came out. When it first seven, started, we were there. And, I mean, made your own guns, right? Got yeah. Got the kits and put them together. And uh, your brother-in-law, Kenny, Uncle Kenny, was big mm -hmm. into it and always was. Always and, was. But that just made it, a, it extended a season where a lot of people don't take advantage of it. Oh. There's a whole lot of people that don't muzzle, or flintlock, I guess it flintlock. is. Flintlock, yeah. The second season I'm talking about, not the early muzzle loader for all the new people out there today that have that option. Yeah, with the inlines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for me, you know, archery season, I mean, I, as far as hunting, hunting is concerned. I mean, that's my favorite season, but my favorite communal hunting time and, you know, as far as memories and just time spent is flintlock season yeah. up there. I mean, we That's whenever we get some other, some more nowadays, more people right. up there and, and we can move around a little more and more stories, more stories. Cause the guns never seem to go off when you, when they, you know, hang fires and not getting sparks and 
is definitely a, a, a different and fun experience. Well, that season's so weather-driven, too, oh, that man. time of year. So. Well, it was, what, two years ago now, Pap, we went up. I think we only hunted for maybe four hours over four days because it was so cold. Yeah, that wasn't uh, that was remember you uh, two maybe three years ago it was just you and I up there and it was so cold we didn't go out very much and then we ended up coming home early because it was uh it was we were supposed to get a nasty snowstorm up there you know get like six or eight inches and we decided well, we were gonna leave zero, it was below zero yeah, yeah. that was whenever we also only had three channels and on the satellite dish we watched you looked the... like you weren't remembering <laughs> I was gonna bring that up I we, know you we that. want you and I watching the cooking channel for hours on end and talking about a little bit of everything that was uh well, that was a fun time Danny got a reward from that because he learned so many new meals to cook here at home for us <laughs> yeah so that was good well this was uh Good conversation. We're we're starting to come up on time a little bit, yeah. so uh, I just want to thank both of you for coming on and uh, be the first ones to tell you Happy Father's Day. I thank mean, you. You two were definitely the reason why I got into hunting, and um, you know, even just going to camp. I mean, that was my entire childhood till I really started playing baseball. It was pretty much every weekend up at camp. Uh, so definitely want to thank both of you for getting me into something that I that stuck with me, and I, I really really enjoy now. No, I'd like to thank Pat for starting me into it. He'd like to say he welcomed me in there. As welcoming as uh, 13 other guys 20 years older <laughs> me could welcome a 21-year-old kid into a camp. But I guess you'd call it welcoming. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't lock the door on me. They didn't lock the door on you, so that's always a good thing. Oh, well, good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. Thank you. And that'll do it for another episode. I think there's a couple things that really came through in this episode and the first one is the passion for the outdoors and hunting that the three of us have uh, that we all sort of instilled in each other and reestablished in each other over the years i think the other thing that really stands out is just how much of a generational gap there is on certain ideas uh, that the three of us have all three of us are very highly opinionated i'm sure that came out and uh while hunting has changed a lot in the hundred in the last hundred years or so, uh, you know everyone's going to have their own ideas of how hunting should be and how it should be structured and and what our in Pennsylvania what our game commission should be doing, and we don't always agree. But I think the the best part about what the three of us can show as an example is while we might not agree on. The fine details of how seasons should be allotted, uh, you know, when people should be allowed to hunt, when kids should be allowed to hunt, things like that. The thing that really comes through is something that we can agree upon is that hunting is an important part of our lives. It has strengthened our bonds as a family. Uh, we enjoy the, our time outside. Uh, you know, we, we agree that hunting is a necessity. It's something that we need to do in our lives to help center ourselves. Not always killing an animal, just spending time with family and spending time outside. That's something that all three of us can agree on and all hunters can agree on. So if we can put aside the politics and just support each other as hunters, not not hate on each other for how we do things. Uh, sort of look at hunting through their eyes. I think we would all be better for it. 
couple quick house cleaning things uh, before I leave you. If you could give us a rating and review, especially on iTunes, that would really make me happy. Also, always love to hear from other people uh, that are passionate about conservation, the outdoors, hunting. So if you want to get in touch with us, find us on Instagram, at Conserve the Wild. Find us on Twitter, at Conserve underscore Wild. Or shoot us an email, info.conservethewild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share a story. Share some of your favorite hunting memories with us. Uh, we might uh, share that on the air in a future episode. 